Welcome to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uitake, and I'm so excited that you've tuned in. Our mission is focused on connecting, developing, and inspiring young business leaders to find and pursue their purpose. This podcast is sponsored by Trost Marketing. Promoting your business through marketing is essential for growth. Without marketing, you lack the ability to create a conversation with your potential customers. At Trost Marketing, we provide marketing solutions that fuel growth. We are your source for all of your printing needs, as well as branded apparel and promotional items. If your business wants to stand out to potential customers, contact the marketing experts at Trost Marketing. Visit us at trostmarketing.com or call us at 866-492-7820. Young businessmen, welcome to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast. I'm your host, Evan Uitake, and I have my co-host with me today, Mr. Brian Smith, most interesting insurance agent in America. America. I got it right this time. Although I think I left you a voice message that said... uh, I want to talk to the most interesting insurance agent in the country, and I didn't get any blowback from it, so I'm starting to think I'm wearing you down. You know what's funny? We still have voicemail. <laughs> Isn't that funny that you left me a voicemail? The only reason why I got your voicemail is because the phone dictates it. Yeah, I get now. that, yeah. <laughs> if it just said voicemail, I would literally delete it. I would just delete it. And why is that? Why don't we listen to voicemails anymore? I think because um, we want things quickly and if somebody talks slow which I'm not the fastest talker in the world then you're just like come on get to the point I know that you were saying hi and you want to see how I'm doing just what do you want well we hate to leave them too right I hate to leave I don't even expect people to leave me the voicemail I just want you to hear my silly greeting and then hang up (laughs) just hang up and text me because if you text me I will respond See, this is this becomes Brian therapy sometimes when we get on the podcast because well, he gets the first a, ten minutes he gets a chance to vent, he gets a chance to just kind of air his grievances. Oh, so and we've got we've got plenty. Yeah, we've got plenty. <laughs> well, I don't want to spend too much time on that because we have a fantastic guest today, and I know I say that a lot, but I'm actually really honored to have Joel Wyland uh, with J. David Jewelry. And uh, I normally I have a little bit of a bio, but I've noticed every time I read those bios. I end up stumbling over the words, and, and I, I can't truly introduce somebody probably as well as they can introduce themselves. So I'll, I'll try to do it a little bit, and then I'll turn it over uh, to Joel. But Joel, you've been in business with J. David Jewelry for over 23 years. You have multiple locations in Tulsa. Uh, when it comes to jewelry, you're one of the most trusted names in the jewelry business. And uh, I think that that's, first and foremost, an amazing thing for that for a business to be in, in business that long. That, that, that's a true testament and to the kind of business that you run. Uh, and that's one of the reasons that we wanted to have you here on, on, on the podcast is to talk a little bit about uh, what got you into the business and some of the things that you've learned along the way. So if you don't mind, uh, tell the audience a little bit about yourself, uh, kind of get them uh, a little bit more familiar with who you are, uh, and then we'll kind of jump in a little bit more into some of the topics we're, we want to talk about. Thank you for having me, uh, Brian and Evan. Uh, it's an honor to be here, just to, to be asked. As far, as far as myself, I started in this business when I was 15 years old. And uh, you can do the math. Uh, it's been 30 years this year. Yeah. And it was crazy to think that at the age of 22, I decided that I knew enough about the industry and the business that I could do it all by myself. And that was just, again, a, a crazy, the, I, I actually went home told my wife that was home with our one-year-old son that she she took that was her full-time job yeah that I quit my job and she <laughs> uh no no you didn't and I said yeah, yes I did what are we gonna do for money and I said I'm gonna try it on our own so uh that was March of 94 wow and we've just uh passed 23 years in business and it, it's this been uh there's it's, it's not all uh, sunshine and rainbows, and but at the same time, I wouldn't give up any yeah. of the lessons that I've learned throughout the process and the last 23 years. That's amazing. Well, first and foremost, 22 years old, deciding to go out into business. There's a lot of people that haven't even graduated college at that point, so um, that's a that's a big step at that at that age, and and. It's great though because th- this is our audience. Our audience is kind of aimed at that younger generation who's either you know launching themselves with their family, launching themselves uh, into the workforce, or maybe finding themselves in those leadership roles. So, if you don't mind, talk a little bit about the, those first couple of months when you when you kind of jumped into it. 
and said, this is something that I'm going to do to make, make a living. Uh, what was that like? That's a great question. Uh, when you asked me originally, one of the questions that you said is, what advice would you give yourself, Yeah. that 22-year-old, uh-huh. if you could go back and talk to him? And I think the first thing I, I would tell him is, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but actually, and that's not true. Yeah. I, w- I would... Tell uh, I would tell that 22-year-old myself uh, not just to do it, but how to do it better. Yeah. And there were so many things. I mean, and I'll tell you, one of the things that we did, I didn't have assets. I didn't. We literally started our business with three rings and five hundred dollars. Wow. And the thing was, that was everything I had. So <laughs> it wasn't uh, as though it, it was a portion. It was everything. Mm-hmm. And as we grew our business, I maxed out. There was at one point in time, I had 21 credit cards that were maxed out. Wow. And that's not something I would recommend for someone to how to start a business. And even more so over the last few years, when I sit down with somebody and someone's asking me advice, you know, first of all, I think, well, shoot, I'm just getting started myself. And that it has been 23 years (laughs) and more often than not the probably the biggest mistake I hear someone say that's just getting started in business is they try to start too big yeah and you've in everything I've ever done I've never done it so how do you know what you're doing so the bigger the piece of that pie you're gonna bite off the greater the possibility of failure is. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the more you can minimize the possibility of failure, the easier it is to be successful. And that, that makes way too much sense. Yeah, <laughs> and it, it is. It's too easy. Yeah, yeah. And that's why I made things so complicated back then. Mm-hmm. And even to the point of 11 years, I worked on paying those credit cards off. Wow. And after 11 years... I still had 21 credit cards that still had max balance on them. Really? I couldn't get them paid off. But once I learned how to, in 10 months, I had all 21 credit cards paid off. Wow. And it was one of those stupid aha moments of, that was too easy. Why didn't somebody tell me how to pay off credit cards 11 years ago when I started this? Yeah. I don't even know if you want to, you've probably done the math to figure it out how much it costs you to, to have all those credit cards. It, it, it was disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could have started many more businesses and, but if, and again, it's stupid simple mm-hmm. is you take all your credit cards just again, because there's probably somebody out there that is in that same boat Yeah. is, uh, you take and you pay the smallest amount on all of them, except for the smallest one. Yeah. And it's logic, but yet it's not the way your brain typically works is you try and pick away at the biggest one because that's the one that's costing you the most, but it's going to take the longest to disappear. Mm -hmm. So literally that first month I was able to get rid of two credit cards overnight. That next month I was able to get rid of four credit cards. Wow. And I started seeing those credit cards disappear. And at that point it's contagious and you start not eating and you know I it it becomes a passion right and in business that's one thing I've learned is you can't put that fire out once you get it started Mm -hmm. and one story I heard years ago was uh, a a guy asked this wise man you know what's your secret what's been your secret all these years in success he said meet me at the ocean tomorrow I'll show you yeah guy shows up in his three-piece suit they're standing at the edge of the ocean. He's looking out at the horizon. And he said, so what's the secret? He said, come with me. So they walk out into the ocean. He's got a suit on. Yeah. And they go get to about waist deep. And he goes, so what's the secret? He goes, you really want to know? And he said, yes, I do. And he pushes him underwater. And he holds him underwater. It's almost two minutes. The guy's about to drown. Yeah. And he comes up and he goes, what was that for? And he said, until you will fight for success... The same way you just fought for that last breath, you will not know success. Wow. And that's something that <laughs> stuck with me for years. That's very intense when you think about the the lesson. I'm wondering, not to get too far away from the seriousness of it, but <laughs> I've got a few of my people 
Yeah. I'm wondering if that very same exercise would work. You want to go hold <laughs> some team. You want to go hold some people underwater? I've tried so, it. It's dangerous. It's the yeah. last. It's the last day of the month. It is. Le- yeah. It's, it's time to close out. It's time to start up. You know. I, I want to know, Joel. You you guys uh, are getting all serious. So I've obviously got to you know mitigate a little bit of that. <laughs> I'm wondering in your business, you're in the sales business. No, let me let me back up. You're in the relationship business, of mm-hmm. course. You know, yes. I, I run the type of operation where some things are assumed, right? When you have great business owners, here's what you assume. Service is there. Mm-hmm. Relationships are there. Processes are there. The transparency, the character, all those things are there. So I'm going to skip all that because I know you have all that. And I think we spend a lot of time with people that have that, just talking about that. Look, we get that. You know, Evan, you're a good, you're a good guy. Tros is a good place. Jay David's a good place. Joel has that type of stuff there. We do that type of stuff here too. So let's talk about the, the meat and potatoes of the production piece um, that keep you in business, that keep the sign up. A lot of people that listen to our podcast know we're good dudes, but they kind of want that nugget. They want to know... Guys, how did you get there? How do you do it? You know, you you paid off the cards. They're reaching for anything because they're there. They're at that. They're they're literally willing to let one of us drag them down, not the ocean, by the way, <laughs> to, to a creek yeah. or whatever we have here and hold them under. They're ready. Like, tell me what to do. Give me the secrets. Number one, there are none. But tell us about the production and the jewelry business. Do you work... Do you work in traditional months like we do? Like, for instance, today is the last day of the month. What I'm challenging my team today to do is every single month we set records. Every single month we're ready for next month. Mm -hmm. All the time. We're always playing for tomorrow, the next day, two weeks, and six months later. Are you guys the same way? Are you you always... Are you producing fiscally every month? Or do you have a, 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 a longer... I guess a longer runway for your business, or is it a thirty-day business? We're always trying to close out months. It it's uh, the jewelry business is very much is seasonal, um, and I am a numbers person from the aspect of it's I I look at numbers and they tell a story, so you can see pictures and numbers. We do twenty-three percent of our year in December. Wow! So if you break that out from a we do. 10% in November, the rest of it averages out to 6.7% each month. Mm. So <clears throat> you can have down months and you can have up months. And from that, I always say I never judge anyone or our business on a day, a week, or even a month. And if we have a bad month, everybody has a bad month. Mm-hmm. And you look back on that and why was it bad? What can you learn from that? But typically, those bad months propel us into a record-breaking month. So then at that point, if I take the two months and add them together, how does that compare to last year? Yeah. And when I can still see growth in that time, then last month is gone. There's nothing you can do to change that. And I see a lot of people that will focus on and they'll get stuck on, okay, you know how bad last month was? Hey, it's over. It's done. Let's let's not focus and I love to use the the analogy that look at the size of your windshield versus the size of your rearview mirror okay yeah that and is I haven't heard that you before. need to know what's behind you but you can't stay focused on it mm-hmm. be aware of it yep I've got to imagine in the jewelry business that there's a lot of lookers and so every time we have a guest that owns a business I always try to put myself in their shoes or in their store because really what's deep inside me is I'm just some sales guy. That's all I really am. So, you know, we talked to Bob, I, I picture, you know, selling cars and we talked to, we've talked to multiple people. We're going to talk to Hal Smith soon. I'm, I'm, I'm picturing how I would run a restaurant. So since we've been talking to you, I'm thinking about how would I work inside your jewelry mm-hmm. store? And there's got to be lots of lookers, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, cause jewelry is expensive. You got to plan for that. It's not like, Oh, it's Saturday. Let's buy this thing. So you're always pipelining with people that are looking, maybe looking two to three times while they're making their final decision. So there's got to be so much exercise in just talking to people. Mm-hmm. It, it comes back to relation. I call it relationship selling. And understanding that statistically at any given time, 
anybody that we're talking to, only 8% of those people are in the buying market at any given time. So if that's your statistic, you need to talk to 12 people before you get one person that's in that ready to buy mode. <clears throat> so when you know your statistics, you don't get discouraged by the one that didn't mm -hmm. because you know you need 12 to get one. So when you know your statistics, understanding it's about developing that relationship with the 11 that didn't buy, understanding, finding out what is it their need, what is their need, what are their wants, what are their desires. And very often, it's not selling them a piece of jewelry. And when you can make the connection with when you find out someone's need, and if you can meet that need, not necessarily in your own business, next time they're ready for anything remotely in your business, guess who they come to? Mm -hmm. And it goes, I mean, it's, it's paying it forward. You know, when you can give that to someone else, it comes back to you. So I guess the goal would always be for me, if I was working in your store, is number one, it would never be trying to sell a piece of jewelry to someone. That would never be my goal. My goal would always be trying to get them comfortable with just coming to see me to talk about jewelry. Mm -hmm. Number two, yes. if it's one out of 12, those other 11, what my objective would always be is to convert those other 11 into the, my next categories of 12. I would always be looking to make those, one of those 11 push forward into my next category of 12 so that eventually as I keep turning over those 12s, I'm going to convert those ones from six and seven months ago. Yes. That would be my goal. So instead of selling jewelry, Evan, if you came in, I wouldn't even ask you about selling jewelry. We'd be talking. Mm -hmm. We would be building a relationship. Eventually, we would talk about, what, what are you even doing here, dude? What are you looking for? And then I think my objective would then be trying to figure out what was your plan today, tomorrow, the next day, and let you know that I'm comfortable with that. Yeah, I think people like to sell themselves a lot of times, like if we're getting into sales. Um, a lot of times it's just listening. They'll, they'll tell you exactly what they want. And then yeah. if they see it in front of them, They'll actually say everything that they like about it and all you have to do is echo that and I, I think a lot of times uh, like what you're talking about earlier you made it so complex you think that the selling process is so complex it's not it's just it's people when it when it all comes down to it nothing's sold without a conversation so your words are very important and it's how you make them feel and I would say that jewelry has a very high value on feel not necessarily um, how it feels on I mean that's important but ultimately the emotion that's tied to it, it's sentiment, it's something that maybe they're gonna pass on. So I think that that conversation is, is very important because if they're gonna make a, a major investment in something to mark an occasion, whether it be an engagement or uh, a milestone in life or whatever else, there is going to be meaning behind it. And if you can help them establish that meaning, and pull it out of them. You almost become a counselor, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Very much so. You sit there and you talk to them and, and you, you hear their life story and that's what's going to get them coming back. They'll be like, you know, Joel knows me. He knows what I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. I can walk in there and say, Joel, my son's going to graduate from, from high school. I want to give him something to really help him celebrate this. What do you think? And you probably don't have to ask too many questions at that point because you've already gotten to know that person over all those period, all the, all the other times that they've come in. You're like, listen, I know that he loves this and he loves that. And I know this is what you like about him. And this is what this stone means. And this is what this, these, these bands mean. Or this is, you know, in these cultures, this means this. And you tell them that story and they latch on to it. Well, and to that, you know, when you actually look at so many people in my industry and in that jewelry industry, they look at it as a product-based business. Mm -hmm. And I have never looked at my in industry as a product-based business. It's one of the oldest industries that exist in the world today. It's 6,000 years old. Wow. So to think that there were jewelers 6,000 years ago, um, why? Why is that an industry that existed that long ago but still exists today? But it also tells me it's not going anywhere. <laughs> so is it because it, everybody needs jewelry? No, actually it's not a need. Not a need at, at all. all. Yeah. So then why do people buy it? And how do you perpetuate that industry into a future that we are becoming less and less about 
you know, necessarily the tangibles at times. Mm-hmm. And when you actually understand what jewelry is, and it's a it's a form of communication. Mm-hmm. So when you look at it, of uh, it communicates something, whether it be love, mm-hmm. whether it be acceptance, whether it be accomplishment. Jewelry always communicates something to or for someone. Well, with that, men, for the most part, are not great communicators. And that's where we come <laughs> into play is we are experts at helping men communicate yeah. something they need to communicate but aren't always that great at. So I, one of the things I love to say is we're experts at creating superheroes. We go. don't want any of the credit. They get that credit. Yeah. And when we can accomplish that over and over and re- continue to repeat that, again, that's when you get that person coming back because everybody wants to be a superhero. Yeah. <laughs> well, and Joel, I want to talk a little bit about so many of our listeners around, around the, the country are in the business planning process. I'm big on presentation. I think you can get away with a lot, a lot of things if your presentation is good. Everything that people see and feel when you know looking at your your business or your organization, and, and whether they're buying something or like in my business, I don't actually give you anything when you buy it. So it's really tough. Um, a lot of people think that what we do is really easy. A version of it is. Of course, we have some people that come in and just get things because they have to. But we do more of the things people don't have to do than anyone else. And that's where all the good stuff is. Not just the finances. Um, yes, that, that's good. God's blessed us with that. But the good stuff in, like for instance with, a, and I want to build this up a little bit. It's a little bit sad, but we had a customer a little about a year and a half ago. Did not want to buy life insurance. They're 50 years old, both of them. They needed it. And I'm not the hard sales type person. I'm a little more of a, a smooth but consistent knock. If we talk for 30 minutes, I might ask you 29 times, mm-hmm. but it wouldn't feel like I asked you, right? That's, I like that mm-hmm. because when we leave that conversation, I would still want to have a good relationship with you whether you bought or not. So I've chosen to take that lighter, more smooth. But this one is different. I, I hammered them. And I felt guilty for weeks after it, guys. Weeks. I, and I, even to tell my wife, you know, we don't talk a lot about work. Anna doesn't care. She cares, but you don't know, like y'all's wives. You don't, they don't want to go home and hear about everything. You know, tell me the good, tell me a little bit of the bad, and let's eat. I think my wife does. And she listens to these, so oh, I, need to, well, I need to go on record. There we go. Like, <laughs> my wife does. She's, she wants to know all about it, and I'm like, I'm explaining this to you. Well, Megan, but if I'm, you need more, I'll call you at night, too. I'll, I'll tell you what. <laughs> Here's the deal. Anna's a great support, so I don't want to say something. But you know what I mean? You get home, you got three kids. We want to get on with that. Yeah. She definitely wants to celebrate with me. This particular one, I was guilty. I hammered them. Mm-hmm. And I figured out why later. A year and a half later, she came in, and he had died. And guys, I'm telling you, the moment I sold him the policy, he had leukemia. Mm-hmm. The type of policy I sold him did not require us to do the certain types of checks that we would see. Oh, wow. And so when I talk about selling the things that you don't have to, that's what I mean. They didn't have to buy it, and it's hard to get people to, but it saved her bacon. Mm -hmm. So when I think about jewelry, you guys are kind of talking about that. It's rare that you're ever going to be in a moment where someone has to have your product. You guys are talking about that. It's a luxury item. So... Tell me about this presentation. I want to circle back. All that builds up to, there's lots of jewelry stores that I can't picture myself buying jewelry from. And I don't know why. The jewelry's fine. But I hate the presentation. I don't like the look of the store. I don't like the look of the people. It feels very... uh, I can't even put my words on it. I won't name names of stores because we don't go there. It's very superficial right now, Brian. Well, <laughs> but we're talking about a superficial business, right? No, absolutely. I mean, we're talking yeah. about jewelry here. No one has to have this stuff. Yet, it's symbolic to things. It is, some of those things could be selfish. Yeah. You know, and, but some of them relate to love and family and, and hurt and some of these other emotions we're talking about. Tell me, Joel, how did you choose your presentation? 
I say that because I don't do this a lot. I loved the presentation. I, I went into the store, um, we got to promote a little bit, uh, two weeks ago mm-hmm. on a Saturday to get the bracelet. And it had been engraved. I, I had asked them to engrave it. got that engraved. And uh, one of your employees had told me, well, the engraver's only here these days, so you need to pick it up this day. I said, well, I can't that day. I'm flying out. The And I didn't know this until he told me. The engraver came in early, did this engraving work so that it could be ready for me, which number one, that that gets me, you know? So anything I buy now, that little piece is what convinces me. So then, and then I get it there. I'm already sold. I'm already sold. I'm already thinking about what what other business can I do here because I'm a referral guy and I'm also OCD about the same place. I choose one and I don't look around. So I'm the perfect customer. I don't shop price. I shop experience. Uh-huh. And so the presentation, top notch. Joel, you've got to tell us and you've got to tell the listeners that are working on their business plan or maybe they're into their business plan and it's terrible. They didn't check off presentation or experience. They got everything else, but that one sucks. And so they're having to rewind. The, the building's great. The inside's great. The location's great. Tell us if that was an accident or tell us if you architected the ability for people to come and buy jewelry, which is a luxury item at a place that looks like you should buy luxury items for with a great experience. Uh, it was definitely intentional. Uh, and I, I don't feel like I've created anything that we do. I am an excellent copier in the aspect of I identify other industries that are the leaders in what they do. And I just copy and, and adapt it to my industry. And the, the store that you went into, uh, it literally, I copied it at different elements from Apple, Starbucks, and Disney. So those were my three inspirations. So it's like, and even to the point of when we were designing the store, I sat down with the designer and said, here is what I want. I don't build for jewelry stores for a living. I build jewelry. And they told me that you are so far out there that when you can narrow your focus down, come back and see us. And I'm like, well, aren't you supposed to be a visionary just as I am? Isn't that your job? And what really threw her off is she's designed, she's the top jewelry store designer in the world. She's designed thousands of jewelry stores, but I threw her something that she's never heard or seen of before because it's never been done. And the focus was, and I'm sure you didn't even see it when you were there because of how important it was for it not to be seen, was we built the entire store around a disco globe. No. Because that is the tackiest, cheesiest thing you could possibly put in a jewelry store is a disco globe. Is there one in there? Yes, there is. Oh, man. And there's a purpose for it, though. And years ago, my wife and I are at a concert, and in the middle of the concert, it goes black. And when the, this giant disco globe is in the middle of this arena and the entire, the entire arena is sparkling like a diamond. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm like, whoa, every jewelry store should do this at night when they're closed. So I thought, I'm going to build a jewelry store with a disco globe on it <laughs> in, at nighttime. Yeah. So <clears throat> when I threw that out there, for, I mean... It comes back to, just like you said, it's the experience and understanding that it's an experience built around a product that conveys, for the most part, love. And when you're trying to communicate something with a product and whatever that product might be, it comes back to, it has to be geared around an experience and the product is irrelevant without the experience otherwise the internet is there Mm -hmm. and in the jewelry industry last year there was more jewelry stores that went out of business than any other year in history ever documented and it was roughly 12 percent of all jewelry stores that exist went out of business in 2016. wow and it was 2300 of them and everybody has this fear of the internet and going back to statistics and numbers catalog sales back in the early 80s accounted for 20 percent 
of the entire jewelry industry in the U.S. Catalog sales, so mm. like Sears catalogs, JC, those don't exist today. Mm-mm. Today, the internet is, exists. Mm-hmm. That accounts for 12% of the jewelry industry. So the internet- so it's actually less. Right. Yeah. So the internet accounts for less than what catalogs, but everybody's blaming the internet for the reason that they're going out of business. It has nothing to do with the internet. It has to do with the experience. Mm-hmm. I, I would have never thought about that catalog versus the internet statistic. I wonder where else that applies. I bet there's other businesses that, like you're saying. Well, I think Amazon is essentially what the JCPenney catalog was. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, when you when you dig down to it, because I remember you get it what a like a, a gigantic, almost phone book size catalog uh, once a month or whatever yeah. it was, and. You know that's essentially what Amazon is now. Instead of flipping through the through the uh, through the catalog, you go and go order online and get it on Amazon. It just it's shifted. It's just like um, like the transportation business. You know, the first company that should have been in the airline industry would have been Amtrak, because Amtrak wasn't in the train business. They were in the transportation. They were in the moving people business, and because they didn't get into it, they became essentially obsolete. But they were experts on moving people. And if they had kind of seen that, and that's essentially what catalogs to the internet has done, uh, Sears and JCPenney probably could have been the Amazons of today if they had recognized that catalogs were going away and, and it shifted a little bit better and, and, and adjusted accordingly. So I don't know how we got to there from, <laughs> from, from the jewelry business. But presentation. Absolutely. Yeah, presentation. We're on presentation. Well, I, I love how we're talking about presentation, but there's one thing I do want to hit on because I think experience is, is important. I think aesthetics and all that other stuff is great, but one thing we haven't talked about is integrity and, and knowing that the quality of the product you get, I don't necessarily know what's a good diamond and, and is not a good diamond, so a lot of times I'm leaning on the expertise of somebody, and I think that that comes into play as well when we're talking about these kinds of things, and, and, and when you're talking about a business that's been around for over 23 years, you have to exhibit some level of trust and some level of integrity when you're selling to a community because the communities that you're in are not exactly huge communities right right they're, they're pretty small size and so where we get around if you're not running a good business or taking care of good customers or not having a good good quality product so I want to talk a little bit about the importance of, of having integrity in your business and the importance of having a good name uh, I believe in, in the short time that I've gotten to know you and just as a in, in, in hearing about you for a long time that that's been something that's been intentional for you as well. So, so what is, what has that process been like for you? And and has there been times where that's really, where you've been tempted to kind of just say, you know what, this guy's never going to notice <laughs> that this is a CZ versus a, a real diamond, or or even it's just like this is a cheap diamond versus a good diamond. I mean, it, it would be very easy for for me to not be able to tell the difference at all. Evan, that's that's a great question. As far as integrity, I mean, from day one. That was never an option for compromise for me. Yeah. And to the point of, I just talked to somebody last week, and in talking to them, I get the question all the time, well, how much if I pay cash? Mm -hmm. Well, cash or credit or check, to me, it's all the same difference because the only way it's less is if you're doing something dishonest. Yeah. Under the table. Right. Cheating the government. Uh Uh-huh. I, I don't do that. Yeah. I can't do that because it comes back to integrity. Yeah. And if something is owed or due to someone, I will never cheat someone out of that. Right. And to a fault, if I always want to make sure that when I go to sleep at night, I don't have a problem going to sleep ever. Yeah. I don't have to worry about what if I get audited. Uh-huh. Uh what if this way I never have to worry about I've always said uh, I'm not I'm, I'm too stupid to be able to lie to people yeah <laughs> because you have to remember that yeah and it's like if you always tell the truth and in business or in sales I can't tell you how many people that I've hired as a salesperson that they won't last 30 days yeah because they have been taught this way of selling is to say whatever it takes to get the job mm-hmm. to make the sell and it comes down to and if lying is required then it's okay right 
never is it okay. Does that mean you'll lose some sales? Yes, it does. They're not worth it. Listeners, I'm going to jump in here. Um, uh, we had a little bit of a technical issue where we actually cut off part of the uh, conversation. So we're going to jump back in. And I know, Joel, you're talking a little bit about just how it's, it's not worth it uh, when it ultimately comes down to it to question your, your integrity or, or to go against your beliefs. And the, the part that kind of bothers me a little bit was because we started talking about, Joel, you have a list of don'ts. And so if, if I can have you circle back to that, I think that's part, the part that we missed. But kind of talk a little bit about how... You know, you have your goals, but then also you have your list of things that you don't do. Yes. I keep my list of goals on my phone. And with that, I look at those every day. Mm-hmm. And when I achieve a goal, I actually put it next to that goal of that date. And it is amazing when you start doing this, how much faster and quicker you achieve your goals. Yeah. But I also have another list. And that other list is my list of don'ts. And I heard years ago the speaker say this of, and he actually said, I want you in the, he, he actually has a theory um, that if you don't do something within 48 hours, you will not do it. And so he said, I want everybody in here to text me their goals within, within 48 hours. Yeah. But with that, he said something that most people it is uncomfortable to do it the first time you do it, but to make a list of don'ts. And these are things that you will not compromise and you will not do under any circumstance. And whether that be, I, I mean, again, to go through examples, whether it was lie, cheat, steal, hit my child. Yeah. You know, this is something that if you grew up abused, mm-hmm. I mean, this is something that you would never want to pass down to your kid. Yeah. This is a... I will never compromise this under any circumstance. And you need to have those in business. Mm -hmm. And so many people don't have those, and you need to look at it every day. And at that point, it becomes ingrained in you to a part that you can't break those laws. You can't break your rules. What I love about that is, uh, until you said it, that was the first time that I've ever even heard of a list of don'ts. And I, I, I know that we all have our goals and we have the things that we need to do. And the reason that we keep them is in front of ourselves is because we want to keep it top of mind. It needs to be something that we always that we always think about because then we're always going to strive and achieve for that. But if you have that list of don'ts, that's also going to help shape that character and shape the kind of person that you want to be. And I think that's just as important as, as having those goals. It's figuring out the kind of person that you want to be. And uh, I think that that's something that I would definitely challenge all of our listeners to do is to write down that list of don'ts and identify the things that you're not going to become. I, I know a lot of people will kind of circle back and say, well, my parents did this and I will never do that. And I think that that becomes ingrained in them. And I think that you don't have to go through a negative experience to need to make that list. No. I think that's a, no, that's a list that you should always have on you. And if you don't have that list of don'ts, it's going to become shorter and shorter. Yes. Yeah. It, and it's, uh, it, there's, a, there's one thing that, you know, to add, and not to the list of don'ts, but going back to making sure you know what your purpose is Mm -hmm. in your business and so many people i get to meet so many different people in life and one of the things you just automatically ask is what do you do yeah and it's interesting to watch someone's whether it's their facial expressions their body language when they tell you what they do yeah and when that person goes well i and you can just tell they hate what they do yeah my automatic response is wow you must make a ton of money yeah (laughs) and their response is well no not really why would you ask that i'm like well then why would you do something you hate so much yeah and not that money would make it worth it but it would make it maybe a little bit more tolerable exactly and when you discover what it is you love Uh and it's your passion money is never an issue because you love it so much, you would do it for free. Yeah. And when you know there's 168 hours in a week, and as a business owner, sometimes you might work 100 plus hours a week, sometimes for free. Yeah, yeah. And if you can't get gratification from that and a sense of accomplishment at the end of that week of, I did something worthwhile, 
I read something the other day at the very beginning in Genesis 1 1 it says in the beginning God what created created mm -hmm. that's what we are as business owners we create things it's the very first line in the Bible we were made to create mm -hmm. and when you understand that's your purpose your sole purpose is to create how are you gonna do it mm -hmm. you've been given a job how are you gonna do it yeah that's that's intense <laughs> and it's like whoa that's a pretty heavy weight too yeah but by golly I'm gonna have fun doing it too absolutely I'm gonna have a blast I'm so glad that you brought that up because that's one of the things that we do hit on a lot is really trying to figure out what makes you come alive. We had Dave Jewett on a while back and he talks about your one degree and how important it is to not just find things that you're good at, but find the thing that really brings life to you. And, and uh, another guest we had on was Amber Day and she talked about being a, uh, oh man, I, I have the note here. <clears throat> it's a it's a multi, I can't remember the name. It ba Basically, I, I liken to it to being like a jack of all trades, master of none, because you, you can be good at a lot of different things, but you're really only created to do one thing. And when you can really find what that is and realize that that's the thing that gives you that life, that it doesn't matter whether or not you get paid for it, mm -hmm. what will happen is you'll ultimately probably be paid to do that uh, more than you would anything else because you actually enjoy it, you're passionate about it. And I love highlighting people that have found those things because A, I want to show that it's possible um, to, to do that because I think a lot of people are skeptical. But on the other side of it, I, I want to kind of dial into how they found out mm. because I think that if you can truly find out what brings you to life, that's, that's what's going to help you ultimately have more value come out of your life and, and you're going to feel more within your purpose. So. Um, probably need to start kind of winding this down a little bit. So, so Joel, I, I want to kind of redirect it to you a little bit. You, f you figured out at age 22, you wanted to go out on your own. You got in the jewelry business when you were 15 years old, which is pretty young. <laughs> so yes. at what point did you realize that that's what you were passionate about? Uh, well, 30 years later, actually, I'm still trying to figure that out. <laughs> but I'm having a blast doing it. Yeah. Um, it was it was several years ago. I've always been in a mindset of I'm always trying to replace myself yeah. in my business. I'm always trying to train somebody to do what I do. I was at a spot uh, several years ago to where I would go to work and I didn't have anything to do because I had replaced everything I did. Mm -hmm. And I would I had this feeling of what do what am I supposed to do I but I really I didn't have anything to do everything was going so perfect but I also started having this feeling of where's my self-worth mm -hmm. what is my job because I had somebody ask me well if you're not the jeweler and you don't sell you don't do your books what do you do mm -hmm. my answer was I don't know <laughs> and the more I thought about that I thought, well, okay, I get to make it up. Yeah. So I thought, if I could do anything in the world, what is it that I would do? And even get paid for it. Yeah, yeah. And what I came up with, what my love and my passion is, is I love to create things and watch it grow in someone else's hands. Yeah. And Ronald Reagan actually said, there's no limit to what one can do if they don't need the credit for it. Wow. And when I realized that is my passion, then at that point, I always have a job to do. There will never be an end to what I do. That's my passion. Wow. So a lot of people don't understand that legacy is not a positive thing by default. Just because you're leaving something or you've built something you're going to hand off or just the concept of what you do it's not positive just by default, just by being there. So many people think they're gonna live, die, pass on, and, and that's all great, they've passed on this legacy. You have to create that legacy to leave it in a positive way. You have to have, that. you have to be the type of person that is gonna put the work in to do that. So, Joel, I appreciate you doing that with your business, with your family. Um, 
speaking of goals, my goal for the last couple of years has been a very intentional effort of trying to surround myself with people that are can be friends, can be confidants, could be uh, people to talk to, mentors. So I love it when I start to meet people that have similar interests, similar beliefs, and you can kind of start to build a small group of people around you that you not only have interest in friendships with, but you can also have interest in, in, in the success that, that we all would like to have um, as men. You know, not to discount, you know, uh, what women are doing, but the YBT is predominantly for men. It's about building each other up, not just about having a great business, but showing each other and being shown how to be good husbands, good dads. Um, So many business people before me were great at business and terrible at the other things. Yeah. And the point of our podcast, the point of our group, the point of our relationships is of course we want to help each other have great businesses. We want to celebrate with each other and help mitigate failures. But ultimately for me, what's been most important is to help or be helped on the husband thing, help or be helped on the dad thing. So I appreciate what you do there. Uh, we appreciate the showing of a great business because the other thing that happens in a business like yours is it has the stigma of being well, you know, don't go in the jewelry store. They're going to get you, you know, that type of thing. And I don't know if you guys experienced that a lot, but what I felt when I went in there was not that. Mm-hmm. I went into a jewelry store where I felt comfortable buying, but I also felt comfortable not being ready to buy, which is important. Um, I felt comfortable in that I was getting told the truth about the product that I was looking at. So thank you for doing that as well. So many businesses miss that. I don't think we have anything else on this, Evan. A great guest, uh, a great Tulsa business owner, um, and someone that I think I would be proud to know. That that's what we continue to have on the podcast is people that you're just kind of proud to know them. Yeah, I think I think what what Brian's trying to say is he's going to send you a friend request on Facebook. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we're friends on Facebook he, he already. He wants, yeah. to, he wants to hang out. Well, I'm, I'm glad you said that. And, and Brian, you actually had a lot of really good things to say there about being intentional with your legacy. I love that because I think that's something that when we get so caught up in our day-to-day, we forget that it's our time here is very, very limited. There, there's only so much we can do with the time that we have. And if we're intentional with it, we can be a lot more productive with it. And so thank you for sharing that. And, and, and I, I agree. You do need to find the right people uh, to get in that circle and, and, and grow that circle because I think that's important. The YBT is, is a part of that. There's so many great organizations out there that are doing things like that as well. So so be intentional with not just your life, but but being intentional with the kinds of people that you surround yourself with. So Joel, thank you for being on the podcast. Thank, thank you for, for taking the time uh, to, to, to come on, to, to share your story, uh, to share your heart and, and, and so many things that you've learned. I, I think this is definitely a podcast that people will want to listen to over and over again because there's so much great information there. So, Joel, I'll give you the final word. Is there anything that you want to kind of say to say to our audience? I heard something actually just yesterday, and if this is okay to say, yeah. um, my goal moving forward is to be able to invest in others. Mm-hmm. And I would love – there's a lot of things that I still have yet to learn. Uh, I've made a, I've learned most of everything I, I've – I know by doing the wrong things. Yeah. So I can really help people to tell them what not to do. Right. But uh, I heard a gentleman, uh, much greater success than I, I will believe I will ever be. Uh, he has written over 30 books. And at the end of his books, he actually puts his phone number. Yeah. And if I can give my phone number, if yeah. somebody wants to text me. Absolutely. It's, uh, my cell phone is 918-381-6300. And if there's something you're struggling with, in your business and you're you're new in business text me shoot me a text and i promise you chances are i went through it (laughs) and uh again the good bad and the ugly typically you look at somebody successful and you see all the uh silver linings Mm -hmm. i promise you that there's there's more bad than good Mm -hmm. for the most part most people don't see that yeah and when you can truly help somebody get through some of the deepest valleys Something I learned just even earlier this week was the difference between fear and failure. I'm sorry, fear and faith. They are they are identical. Yeah. <clears throat> they both have the word evidence in it. 
And when you think of when fear and faith are the same thing, you get to choose which one you're going to wow. use. And so many people don't do things in life because of fear. And faith is what gets you past it. Well, you said mistakes. The, the path to success is paved with well-handled mistakes. There you go. You like that? I got off of Hallmark card. <laughs> Yogi Berra, there's a fork in the road. Take it. Take yeah. It. yeah. <laughs> well, Evan, I'm wondering, as we close out, if uh, someone wanted to send direct mail or buy marketing pieces or promote their business, how would they do that? The best way to do it is to uh, contact the marketing professionals at Trust Marketing. I actually right. got a commercial at the beginning yeah. of all these podcasts, but I'll, I'll go ahead and uh, tie it back in. Just go to trostmarketing.com, spelled like Frost, but with a T-T-R-O-S-T, marketing.com. And Brian, if somebody's looking to get some life insurance, some auto insurance, those kinds of things, where's the best place for them to go? Well, not only all of that, you can get disability, Yeah, the best mortgage in town, a car loan. And a number of other things, Evan, if you just go to callbriansmith.com. Callbriansmith.com. Well, listeners, thank you for tuning in, and we will catch you on the next podcast. Young businessmen, thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. And if you'd like to learn more about the Young Businessmen of Tulsa, check out our website at www.ybtok.com or email us at ybtoklahoma at gmail.com. If you live in the Tulsa area and would like to hear one of our great speakers live at our monthly luncheon, we meet on the second Monday of every month from 12 to 1 p.m. Like us on Facebook for details about locations and upcoming speakers. Lastly, if you like what you hear, please leave us a review on iTunes and share us with your friends. Thank you for tuning in to the Young Businessmen of Tulsa podcast, where we connect, develop, and inspire young businessmen to find and pursue their purpose.